Hello and welcome to our Living Word Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning experience. Lord, we do. We just invite you in. Church, would you just begin to pray with me? Come on. Let's just pray this morning. Just begin to open your mouth and just pray. Ask the Lord. Invite him in with me. Jesus. Lord, we came here this morning for you. We came here this morning for you, God. We want to know more about you. We want to experience you in a greater way this morning. God, as we open up your word, we understand that it's alive. And so with reverence, God, we come before you and we just say, Lord, would you speak? Speak to us, God. Lord, I know every single person that found their way into this place today, Lord, you have a plan for Lord, you have a destiny for, you have a, a, uh, not just an end goal, but an eternal goal, God. And so I pray, God, right now, Lord, that the words that come forward, Lord, the word that is, that is brought, Father, the healings that will happen, the salvations that will happen, the moments that are still yet to be seen even this morning, God, we thank you in your name that you're here with us, Lord. Lord, we just believe and we thank you, God, and we know without you we can't do any of this, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you missed yesterday, we had a blast here at our Fall Fest. Uh, if you were here yesterday, you could testify to that. They'll throw a few photos up just while in, the, in the back here. I don't know if the guys have a couple over there. Um, but we, yesterday was just a great time. Um, that's, the, that's the graphic that was going to go up three weeks ago. <laughs> the, uh, there we go. So just a few, just a few shots. Uh, you guys can run through them real quick uh, just as we kind of you can just flip through them. That guy, he was up here a few minutes ago. How do you find yourself in everything? <laughs> Stud. Stud. Look at him. Look. We know who made the slideshow. <laughs> Luciano must have made this one. You can say that. It's your wife. <laughs> awesome. I just want to, uh, there's, there he is. I want to say this, as we continue to scale out this event and grow it, enjoy the pictures behind me, it's okay to look past me while I talk. Uh, part of the reason we want to do Fall Fest at Living Word is because we understand there's a community of people that when they hear the word church, their ears often close. Amen? They often just kind of turn off to the idea of being a part of something that represents church or might be religious in nature. And so we want to try to provide space in our year where people can have a safe opportunity to come on our grounds to experience relational opportunities through fun, through, art, through artistic things, uh, through food. Somebody get an amen on that one. <laughs> um, you, know, you, guys did so, you guys bought so much food yesterday, the food truck was out of here like two, two, two hours in. He sold everything in his truck. So uh, he was blessed yesterday for sure. <laughs> Um, and uh, the music, you know, uh, just, just so much of what yesterday depicts. Uh, I know for you, if you've grown up in this area, you remember all the festivals at the churches in your towns that you can think of. You know, you see it all over the place at St. This and this one's church and that one's church. And I'll tell you what, uh, at the root of this event, I am excited to know that this event will continue to grow, not in just its name, but in its opportunity. It will continue to be a light that people could come and know that living word is here and that when they're ready to find a home, if they're looking for a home, if they want to know more about Christ, people will be able to find it because we do events like that. Amen? Can we just give it up for everyone who made it happen yesterday?
I'm going to recap two points, share a quick verse, and transition into our message this morning. Uh, And we'll take communion at the end of today's message together. Over the last few weeks, the, the two sermons, other sermons within this message and within this portion that we've been talking about, right, is twofold, right? Uh, recognizing, right, what's in the way was two weeks ago. The second thing, which was last week, was lead, follow, or get out of the way. Right? Those are two of the titles. If you missed those, go back on our website, go on our app, look at YouTube, watch those messages if you want to kind of fill in the pieces from where we're going to go today. But to summarize last week's in two different points, I'll say it this way. Leadership is not a destination. It's an opportunity to influence. We've been having this conversation about leadership, and we've been talking about what it means to understand and recognize what's in the way. We've been talking and journeying through this idea of leading, of following, or literally getting out of the way in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen from somebody, right? And now we've started to just, and I wanted to begin to just poke at this idea for you and this understanding of the true definition and heart of leadership. And part of that is understanding this, right? Leadership is not a destination. You are not just going to arrive one day because of the title you have, because of the job you have, because of the status you attain. Leadership is not a destination. It's an opportunity to influence. I believe I closed the thought last week by saying it this way. Your titles don't define your legacy. It's the people you impacted along the way that matter. Lastly, experience doesn't determine the strength of your leadership voice. We shared in in Philippians 3 the heart of Paul saying it this way. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet having taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. As we transition into today's message, I want you to begin to take this phrase, and I wrote the the, the title of it as simple as this. The title of today's message is The Unidentified Leader. And the reason I went here today is because I really truly believe that we've been looking through the wrong lenses when we're trying to identify leaders in our world. When we're trying to understand who's qualified, right? Who's ready? Who's in position to take leadership? And so going back from last week's point now into this message, experience doesn't determine the strength of your leadership. What Paul was explaining to us in this time was saying, brothers and sisters, I want you to take it and understand this. It's not that I have already obtained all of this that I share with you. It's not that I un- it's not that I've experienced this all, but I press on towards the ultimate. I press forward, chasing after these things, knowing that the prize is upward and heavenward in Jesus' name. As we transition to the end of this series and some of the end of my challenges to you in this leadership portion, I want to ask you, have you accepted the challenge to lead? The title of last week's message was Lead, Follow, or Get Out of the Way. And the reason that I put it so sharp that way is because we live in a culture that's moving faster than ever before. And we have to be ready. We have to be moving. We have to be ready and willing when God says we do. And so I ask you again, have you accepted the challenge to lead? Are you ready to give God an opportunity to show you what a real leader looks like? People think leaders are defined by their platform. People think leaders are defined by how loud they can shout. 
People think that people are shaped and determined and defined by how much money they make. But I'll say it to you this way. The Bible tells me that a leader is defined by the eternal impact they have while leading in this world. If you're going to be a leader, you've got to accept the fact that you will be judged by your eternal impact on people. People matter. And people mattered to Christ so much that as you read through the Gospels, you can understand that he broke down cultural norms. He made decisions that weren't exactly popular. He said things that people hadn't heard before. He went against the grain in so many ways, not to be a rebellious man. He did it because he had a, a wisdom and understanding far greater than we can see. And if that's our dad, then we have to know what's in our DNA, church. We have to understand that we have this God who's so great that he would put in us this unique ability to lead. And for so many of us, we keep making leadership a platform. We keep making leadership a position. We keep, we keep making leadership this thing that I don't care what picture you have in your head. Do me a favor and just kind of throw it to the side for a minute because the Lord wants you to look at leadership differently. I've defined it in many of my messages as simple as saying leadership is influence. You don't get to choose if you're a leader or not in the beginning sense. If you're influencing people, you're either leading them to the heart of Christ or you're leading them away. There's no in-between when it comes to that. Because if you're half leading them to the heart of Christ and you're half not, then you're confusing them. So as we walk this out, I want you to see that I want to recognize the unidentified leaders today. Because so many of you, you sit here and you don't think you're a leader. Those of you who think you're leaders need a redefinition of leadership even. I love to read and listen to some of the greatest leaders in our nation. Why? Because I feel like it humbles the junk out of me every week. Man, I thought I was kind of good at some of that. I am, I am nowhere where they have found God. Come on, say that, say that in your head with me for a second. I am nowhere near where they have found God. There is an aspiration that when we make goals, we want to complete something. But I don't know if you've begun to shift and think through the lens that there is this place that people find with God, and those are the things that I want you to admire about them. There's this intimacy, there's this relationship, there's this idea that God would use them at such an amazing level and that you would one day maybe be used by God like that. You see, God didn't intend us to take leaders and just keep throwing them up in the air like they're God. God intended that leaders would be a lighthouse, that leaders would be a standard of hope, that leaders would reflect the hands and feet of Christ. But once again, when I say leaders, you continue to think about your bosses. You continue to think about the, the, the coaches that you had. You continue to think about the pastors. You, you just don't see yourself. And I don't want you to leave the message today without identifying the fact that Jesus knows no position, name, or title. Although those are necessary for us to function in certain ways in our world today, and they are not wrong to have those things, we must understand that if we're going to teach generations how to lead, we have to explain to them that they're not going to school or they're not taking on a trade to then achieve this title of something. They're not just doing these things to build some earthly name or, or to build this earthly treasure. They're living out their God-given purpose because it's a God-given purpose. This is why so many people, both young and old, 
This is why so many people, young and old, are quitting life in so many various ways. Because some have worked years and years and decades, and they're like, come on, I'm in my 50s and 60s now, and everyone keeps saying my best life's ahead of me, and I don't see my best life ahead of me. Come on. I'm in my teens or my 20s, and I've been trying and hoping God would open a door, but I just don't see it. Maybe we should just quit. You see, these lies are not created by just the devil, people. We got to follow this. We have assisted in creating a world that people think leadership is based on a destination. When if the common college student, high school student, elementary student, co-worker that you are today, family, dad, mom, grandma, grandpa, would realize that you were born to lead, you would take your job more seriously every day you woke up. I'm telling you, I'm not stretching this by one person. But if you're waking up and there is one person that you are influencing, then you are leading. I ask you again, could you imagine if we took it seriously? Let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 16. We're going to read a good part there, so turn with me if you want. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow with me on the screen. I want to talk to you about the unidentified leader this morning. This passage is beautiful in viewing how the Lord sees the calling and selection of leaders in our world. The Lord said to Samuel, verse 1, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If, Saul's here, if Saul hears about it, uh, excuse me, if Saul hears about it, he will kill me. I want to pause there for a second. The verse prior to it says it as simple as this. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. What I think most of us fail to realize in leadership, right, is that long before people affirmed the leadership inside of us, God called us to it. Way, way long before it. And I think it's important that we pause there for a second. Because for a lot of you, you'll say, well, Nick, I still got work to do to be that leader, right? And I'm going to half say yes to you, and then I'm going to half say no. And the reason I'm going to say no is this. God has chosen you, but you've still got to say yes. you still got to answer the call you still got to do what the prophets and the disciples did when they said, Lord, here I am. When Jesus said, hey, hey, come and be fishers of men with me. Put down your net. Come do this with me. And they're like, um, what? What do you mean? What are we doing? Oh, by the way, I have no place to sleep. But come with me. They're like, wait a minute. You don't even have a home? And imagine as the Lord continues to reveal this, I want you to understand that before the world affirms your leadership, God has chosen you long before. Verse 2, but Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. <clears throat> this is so important. I'm going to pause here. I talked to business owners last week. I talked to a few leaders as I was sharing in my message and elsewhere this week. 
And I want to say it as simple as this. When you make decisions to put people on your team, it is so important as a Christian leader to allow God to indicate that they are supposed to be a part of that team. Here's why. Number one, if you bring someone on your team that's supposed to be on somebody else's team, you're not doing what God has asked for them in this time. You may think it's best for them. You may think it's the right opportunity for them. But God sees much bigger than you do. And so you've got to be able as the leader to say, this person, I I would love to have them on my team. But you know what? I I have to be honest with you. I'm not going to say yes to you. Why? Because God told me that you weren't indicated for this place, for this time, for this position. However, please don't be discouraged. If God was to tell me that this wasn't for you, I promise he knows what's for you. Come on now. Come on, we've got to learn to lead together here. Because we get to wrap our arms around people like that every day who don't get the job they thought they were going to get. Who come out of schools with hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars in debt and they're saying that everybody told me if I just go to school, I'll get a great job and I don't have a great job. Come on now. People who are losing their jobs in their 50s and 60s now who are having a very difficult time getting positions. We've got to be able to sit around them and not just give them fluffy churchy answers. We've got to point them back and say, no, 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 no. Let's dig. Let's pray. Let's get in here. Let's see. What does God have? He saw this. He foresaw this to be. What does he have? And are you humble and willing enough to take the steps necessary to go ahead with what God has next? Verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Somebody's got to say amen there. (laughs) The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's Jesus. He put that in there, not me. (laughs) When you think about for so many years how we've gotten leadership wrong, I feel like this portion of Scripture starts to begin to kind of summarize where we're headed here. Because for so many of us, we would have made the decision. Now, Samuel is an anointed leader. Come on now. Samuel is, is, is a high-ranking official. Samuel's up there. And he himself, once again, showing the transparency and leadership here. Oh, it must be Eliab. It, look, this is him, right, God? And he's like, no, it's not him. And then, and then he continues and, and he says, no, 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 listen, don't, don't consider his height. Don't, don't, don't worry about his appearance. I have, I've rejected him. He didn't say, I've cho- I haven't chosen him. He said, I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab 
and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. I love the fact, I love the fact that in one verse, the Lord righted the ship for Samuel. The Lord said, no, 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 listen, listen. Remember, I asked you to lead this. I know you thought because he was tall and handsome and he was bigger, and this was kind of the, the look of what we're going for here. I know that this was right, but, but no, I've got to remind you, it's not him. You're going to know when it's him, by the way. And then we keep reading here, and it, it literally, hear the difference. But Samuel said, the Lord. It doesn't say the Lord then stopped Samuel to remind him that this wasn't him. You see, Samuel learned in this moment from God it had to lead better. It said, no, no, but Samuel said the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? I want to pause here because this is the part where we try to play God. I've watched seven people walk in front of me. Lord, you know we have a leadership need. We just should probably pick one of these seven, even though we're not quite sure which one God has. I want you to take that and apply that for yourself somewhere right now. We've seen seven come some of them even, you know, they've got pretty good qualifications. They, they look like they might do the part. They, this one, I really think this one might be good. You know what, guys? We're going to make a collective decision here. This way, when, the, when everything goes bad, we're all just going to look bad, right? One of those leadership moments when you just know you shouldn't make a decision, but you make one, and then we all make it together because we all go down, right? <laughs> seven people walked by. Seven no's were given from God. The following happens. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? I believe this question in verse 11 is so important. Here's why. It points to a direct spiritual discipline that when we're asking God for answers, we now understand how to. The authority in the moment was the father of the children. Follow me here. There was no answer to the task he was sent by God to achieve. Knowing that God is going to fulfill the promise he set out to, Samuel said, there must be another because God wouldn't have sent me here. Are these all your children? God is not an incomplete God. So when he brings you on assignment, I want you to understand it's not up to you to make the decision when you leave, when you move, when you go, when you run. It's not your choice. I tell people all the time, I graduated from college in Florida, and just like anybody else that has a brain, they just stay there. Come on now. <laughs> and my mom and dad heard me say the worst words they can hear me say. They're like, you ready to come home? I was like, nope. What? <laughs> Y'all know my mom. It just went south from there, right? <laughs> you mean we're going to have to go buy you a bed for your apartment? And yes, yes, mom. But at 21, 22 years old, I looked at my parents and I said, I told them this. I said, I can't leave here yet. And they said, why? I said, because God didn't tell me where to go. I'm working in these places and churches that are down here. I'm plugged in. My life has been here for four years. I'm willing to go where God wants, but he has to send me. I'm telling you, I spent the next three months sleeping on a water, not a water bed, but like a blow-up bed, on the floor of a three-bedroom apartment. 
with, with a few other friends. I knew God was doing something. I had a sense I was going to leave and go somewhere or do something at some point, but I was so fearful in a reverent way that I would go somewhere wrong and God would just have me in the wrong place. And I just said, you know what? I said, I, I, I'd ask, mom and dad, I ask if you'll support me and help me in making this decision, and here's why. I don't want to move unless God has told me to do it. He has not given me clearance to come this way. So I'm laying in my room one day being a, how would you say it, a, uh, <laughs> a lazy millennial. No, I'm kidding. That's me. I'm still in there. I'm just kind of hanging in my room, and I get a phone call from my childhood pastor. And he calls me up. He says, hey, Nick, I want to let you know we'd like to ask you to come on home and be the pastor, be the youth pastor at our church here. We believe that this is what God has. We believe that this is what it is. And it wasn't but a moment later that obviously God was present in the room, not because it was a job. I wasn't needing a job. Don't miss the story here. I didn't need another title. I didn't need another leadership opportunity. I did, wasn't looking for something greater. But this was what God had. And I said, yes. And I packed up my stuff, and I began to go home. And for me, in that moment, some of the greatest things I never dealt with came on my plate. I didn't even know how to spell anxiety leaving college. <laughs> but on my way home, I find myself in a South Carolina hospital because on the way home, I had such bad anxiety attacks, I couldn't physically keep driving to my destination. Whew, my story, real one. And I had to pull over, and I tried to figure it out, and I tried to fight it, and I never had felt this in my life before. But all I knew was that I couldn't give in to this. This attack was the greatest physical, spiritual attack I had ever felt to that point of life. And all I know is that the devil is a liar. And all I know is that he couldn't foresee what God would do, but he saw what God was doing. And he had a plan for me to be back here. And when I said yes to that plan, he wasn't happy about that. I answered a call to influence people's lives, and the devil wasn't going to have it. And if he could get me to quit before I started, he would win. Come on now. But obviously, as you can see by today, he did not win, and he won't win. But I want to talk to you as an unidentified leader, even if you feel like you're identified this morning. Because I didn't see myself as a leader in that time. I just saw myself as willing, I'm being honest. I didn't see myself as an influencer because I just felt very young and just felt very unequipped and unqualified to do a lot of things. But the more I journeyed, the harder things got. I realized I must have been doing something right. Because every time I said yes to God, there was an attack in some way, shape, or form. There was a moment 
where the enemy tried to step in and God said, no, 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 I'm with you in the fire. I protected you from the water. Come on now, somebody. You know, I, I was, I'm here and, and you, you, I allowed you to put a little pressure on my son that he would have a bigger shell on his back and he would be able to call on my name. I don't know if you read the book of Job or not, right? But I, 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 I could take away your, your, your family and you, you could take away these things. And, and, I, and I promise you, as much as it's going to kill me physically and emotionally, there's something you cannot remove from me. And that is the call that God has placed on my life to influence people. I'm talking to the unidentified leader today because I need you to grab hold of this idea that God's plan is so perfect. His way is so right. But it's not a beautiful road paved called life with Jesus. Wrong book. You have an advert. You have one who wants to stop you. Now, here's the sad part. Sometimes our flesh is enough and he doesn't even need to step in. Some of us have allowed our flesh to become so weak that the devil, you gave him too much credit. It was you. You let him. You did it, not him. And then there was these moments like I felt when I felt that presence of evil and I felt that physical pressure. But I'll tell you what happened. It was a few days later after I finally got home. I literally was afraid of everything, and I'd never been afraid before like that. I didn't even know what to be afraid. I didn't know what was happening. This was bigger than me. Come on. Sometimes you got to take your mental health seriously. I'm not sure we do. But I remember going to a field, and I think it was a, a, a little kid's, uh, maybe my little sister was playing. She's much younger than me. Uh, maybe she was playing softball or something. But I remember being at, at, at the baseball field which for those of you that you know is my, one of my greatest passions in life. You see, a good father knows how to lead his children. Come on. And so playing to the desire that I had been away for four years, didn't really get to see much of my younger sisters because she's 16 years younger than me. So I didn't get to see a lot of her early childhood. I went out to a softball game and this little kid knew me as a college baseball athlete. And he came over to me on the fence and he said, coach, he said, and I'm like, coach who? <laughs> I'm like, what? And he goes, can you teach me how to play? Can you show me how to throw the baseball? This little, this real little kid. I honestly couldn't even tell you who the kid was today. I don't remember him. But he asked me, and I remember going to the field on the right, and I remember going over to the bullpen and just letting the kid begin to throw, and I had this anxiety still in me, right? And this poor kid, God help him, he's like, why is this guy crying when he's, when he's throwing the ball, right? But I want you to know the minute that I told this kid I would go play catch with him, that morning, I had even been fighting leaving the house because my anxiety had been so bad. The minute I got down in like a catcher's position, the minute I said, yes, this kid, as we kind of walked over, I felt something break over me. And I felt it break because it was something that even to this day, I, can't, I couldn't put a physical term to. But when people tell me that this, the, the spiritual battle for my life is not necessarily in the physical, that it goes on in the spiritual world, I began to grab hold of this idea because I started to realize that what I was dealing with was bigger than me. And if I didn't have God, he wouldn't, I wouldn't be set free from this. I would live like this. I would have lived bound. I don't even want to know what I would have done. But all I know was that I felt for a portion like this physical, mental, spiritual feeling had its grip on me. 
And God gave me an opportunity to walk away from it. And when I said yes, he set me free from it. It was in that moment from days forward that he began to use everything like that and for me to be able to walk out of that. I pray that that story, coupled with the Bible this morning, encourages you in your life. Leadership is influence. Influence means you're going to affect people's eternity one way or the other. If you're affecting people's eternity for Christ, the devil is alive. And you've got to live a guarded life. You've got to understand it's so important to say yes to God and no to the flesh. Because it's not just the idea of giving in to the flesh. It's the idea that, that what if we truly get to a point where the flesh gets so strong that we just don't want to recognize God anymore. Come on now. That's got to be the fear we have. What if I've given in to these desires so badly that wanting God is not an option anymore? I feel like in our theology, we messed this up a little bit because God didn't make us puppets, church. We're people with choice. And he just shows up and he's saying, no, no, come on, come on, go play catch with this little kid. Watch what I do through this little stupid game of catch. Watch, watch what happens. You're gonna remember what I called you to do. You're gonna remember that I brought you home for something bigger than you. You're gonna realize what happens and let's segue in for the sake of time here together. Verse 12, so he sent for him, Samuel said, uh, I'm sorry, I'll go in here. Verse 11. Let's read 11. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had brought him in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Tam Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. I wrote it for you this way. The standard of leadership is set by the heart of God, not the eyes of man. The standard of leadership is set by the heart of God, not the eyes of man. Yes, Lord. Over the past few weeks, I've challenged you to recognize what's in the way, to lead in a way that you've never, to have a desire, let me rephrase that, to have a desire to lead in a way that you've never previously comprehended. Number three, to understand that leaders come in all different packages and don't all look the same. And four, to be leaders who are adapting and not conforming. I'll read you this verse because I believe it's powerful as we continue to shape our leadership self. Romans 12, 1. 1 and 2. It'll be up here if you'd like to read. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve that God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There are many times, I'll share this point and then I'll get into a story here to close. The greatest leaders, in my opinion, are able to make decisions, changes, right, before they have all the facts. One of the biggest things that I struggled with in my early points of leadership, I read scripture and I understood it even through the book of Job that it says that wisdom comes not by years, right, but from the Holy Spirit. We see that in Job's disappointment of his friends. He said, you know, I thought you would have acted this way because you're older but now I understand that wisdom comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to challenge you specifically as an unidentified leader this morning. I want to challenge you to lead in the unique capacity that God has given you. He has not asked you to lead like others around you. He's asked you to lead as he leads you. And the reason for that is this. I'm going to give you a really specific example because I think it's important. In the last two or three positions of leadership that I've taken or been a part of or assisted in, there is one statement that literally gives this sick feeling inside of me when I hear people tell me this, right? Or I hear someone give this advice to somebody else. They say it this way. Hey, son, daughter, I know it's just your first year here, but do us a favor. Take this year. Get to know our company. Get to know what's going on here. And then, you know, maybe a year or so into it, you know, try to make, you know, make eight months, nine months, ten months, like try to make some changes maybe then. And, and you know, maybe a year after kind of getting to know everybody or getting to know things or do things, or then you should kind of then use your leadership abilities. I was so tired of hearing this about three years ago that I heard, and this is in various settings, right, various leadership opportunities, that I actually stopped a gentleman as he explained this to someone and I asked him very simply, and I said, sir, can I ask you a question? You were bought here to, for a purpose, correct? You were hired for this title to do this. And the person said, yes. And I said, so why are you, I said, when you live and you move in your first year of doing this position, I said, did you just do everything that the other person did before you? And they said, well, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, kind of. Of course, I did some different things. But, you know, I really, for the most part, just kind of sat back in my position and just kind of took it all in. And I managed what I had to. And I kind of just, you know, ebbed and flowed as we could. And then I wrote notes. And I figured, you know, next year I'll start to really make some changes. And although there's some good nuggets of wisdom in there, there is some horrific leadership in there. Here's why. And I need you to own this today. The Lord brought you last year to use your unique leadership ability to make a difference in that place. And so I ask you the same question I asked this gentleman, and then I'll share with you what happened. I said, but sir, I understand this, but what happens if you were just brought into this position, because he was, what happens if you don't have a next year? You're here. They asked you, because obviously the last person either left, whether good or bad, doesn't matter. But they brought you in to do what? Somebody say the four, Somebody say it for me. To lead. They brought you in to lead. They thought what God was doing in you was necessary for where we would go next. And so they wanted you to lead, not sit back in an office and take notes for 10 months. 
This is so important for us to grab because so many of us are afraid to lead in the places we are because we're thinking we're not qualified. I need you to see that David was tending to the sheep. The Lord called him out of that place into a very prominent place of leadership. David didn't stand here and say, do I need to go do this? Do I have to? He just said, if this is the Lord's will, then what? I will lead. And I want to challenge you this morning from the heart of God that if leadership is influence, that you've not, and, and if you've been called in a place to influence, God has not called you to just sit there and manage what was. We live in a society, I don't know if you get this, that is not slowing down. Information through the internet, social media, and life is only speeding up. And if we don't stop and humble ourselves as leaders and realize that things are flying by us one by one, research that somebody my age, when they had the 56K, right, the AOL, and you weren't patient enough to wait what Google would say, this generation's daring you to say something wrong. They're daring you to act fake. Why? Because a standard of leadership is authenticity. They don't want to hear processes. They want to hear about promise. They don't want goals that stop them at a finish line when they're 25 or 35. They want a growth plan that's going to get them till they hear well done. We've got to grab hold of this church because leadership is not just this momentary platform, voice, or opportunity. It is a daily opportunity where I'm asking you, are you going to wake up tomorrow and lead? Are you going to accept the fact that you are called divinely with a purpose, with a plan, so unique that wherever you are, God's asking you to be you, not the person before you and not the person after you. Now for that gentleman... And I'm not making this story up before the Lord for one second. I saw an email come through. Sorry, this such and so will not be back with us next year. I know, and I promise you, I, I didn't make an arrogant thought, American statement, nothing. I literally felt bad. I'm sitting here, I'm like, this is what happens when we just pass wisdom down from generation to generation and we don't take time to just qualify it. Yeah, it's important to go into a company and get to know people. Yes, it's important to understand the journey of where people have gotten and how they've gotten there. Yes, it's important to understand who you're working with and how they work. But it's extremely important that you be who you are in that place. And what happened for him was he, he tried to be the last person. And you know what happened to the last person? They were fired too. But he didn't know that. He didn't know they were. He, he just knew they were let go. Or that there wasn't a mutual agreement to return. You see, when God calls you, he anoints you. When he anoints you, he qualifies you. When he qualifies you, everything under heaven is possible according to the will of God. You received that this morning, church. Worship team, if you'll join me, and those who are serving communion, if you don't mind coming forward and just preparing to pass out the elements as we close our service in communion this morning.
I'm going to ask you to stand with me. One of the most storied baseball players probably said it best for me, and he said it this way. Yesterday's home run won't win you today's game. Yesterday's home run won't win you today's game. If you're hoping that the successes of yesterday are going to cover the deficiencies you have today, then you have failed the leadership test. I say that because as we take communion, and if those of you who are serving, feel free to come forward as soon as you're ready. Feel free to come forward, guys and ladies. I want you to pass this leadership test in the coming days. But there's one qualifier in leading for Christ that I will not overlook. And I will say it to you as simple as this. Jesus came, he died, so that you and I could have an eternal promise. If you're here today, and maybe I got you excited to lead, but you don't necessarily know what it means to lead for Christ, I wanna right now take you on that journey. And I want you to understand that the Bible says it as clearly as this. If you'll confess with your mouth and you'll believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, he is your savior this day. If that's you, do it right now. And don't leave here today without coming up and just let me pray with you at some point. Because let's not mistake the fact that if we don't have Christ, we're not Christ-like leaders. And so we start there today, right? Jesus is now my foundation. He's my rock. He's my central. I'm going to now lead from this place with him. Number two, for those of you who feel like the unidentified leader, you're just kind of doing as David was. You're taking care of your daily tasks. You're leading the best you can in the capacities that you are. I want you to hear me say this as simple as we can today, as you heard it already in this message. God is ready and willing to use you. He will anoint you to do the work that he has for you. You've just got to stand in front of him long enough so he can pour the oil right on you. If you'd like me to pray that for you today, before you leave, come forward. After we take communion, I'm going to be here to pray for you, if that's your heart today. Because I want to commission you. I want you to remember that it's the anointing of God that qualifies you to do all that he has for you. And so after we're done taking communion and we're just worshiping, I'm going to have a bunch of our staff up here that are going to pray with you and just anoint you. And lastly, it's this. If you're on the fence today, and what I mean by the fence is you've been leading for God, but you're frustrated. Come on. You're not happy with God. You're not happy with, with, with your leadership, and you're not happy with what God is doing. I want you to go ahead and understand that the way you feel is not even the real problem. I want you to understand that the events, the circumstances that led you to get to where you are today, there's more than what you feel. And if you begin to allow God to deal with the root of what's going on, you will be set free in Jesus' name. Church, I'm going to pray for us. We're going to pass out the elements and worship together. And then shortly, in just a few minutes, I'll come up and lead us in some prayer as we take it. Lord, we thank you so much 
that we can commune with you. I thank you today that there is literally, literally flowers of leadership budding in this church. Lord, I literally, I, I can just see the field blossoming, God, as you show it to me, God. I thank you that this week, all who have heard, whether online, whether on, 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 on whatever they might listen to this message, God, and, or here today, I thank you, God, so much that the world is going to be a better place because those, God, who've heard your voice this morning will lead in the heart of Christ. Lord, we pass this communion out in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's message here at Living Word Church. Uh, if you're looking for a community, looking for a home church, we want to challenge you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1045 here in Union, New Jersey. We pray you have a blessed day in Jesus' name.